the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain. Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of your favorite funky podcast, Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your other host, Peter. So, Peter and I thought, considering the happiness of the topic we discussed last week, uh, that it would be fun to discuss another happy topic, uh, and that topic would be the ghetto. That's true. Yeah. And for those unfamiliar with our last episode, we talked about famous soul singers who had untimely deaths, which was actually rather common. And although it sounds a bit morbid, it was actually pretty fascinating for us to learn as well as you when you listen to it. Um, <laughs> but when we were researching, you know, we learned a lot as well. So that was probably one of our better episodes. I agree. It was pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean, just a little bit of background on the ghetto before we get into some of the artists that discuss it from a historical perspective. The, the modern, I guess the modern concept of the ghetto really originated out of Nazi-occupied Europe because in um, areas that, that Nazi Germany would occupy, um, they would ostracize the local Jews into these like small, incredibly impoverished, overpopulated um, areas of cities so they would put them in these small areas that came to be known as ghettos in parts of Eastern Europe, like Poland and Austria. And it was kind of their first their first way of dehumanizing them because they would take all their possessions, shove them into these poor areas, and then went further from there. So it's kind of a shame. Yeah. I shouldn't say kind of. It is a shame. Yeah. But the more Americanized version of the ghetto, I guess, really originated from back in the mid to late 1800s when different waves of immigrants from mainly Ireland and Poland and Germany came to the U.S. and would live in these poor ethnic enclaves in places like New York and Chicago and Boston because they were kind of disliked by the, you know, waspy Protestant majority at the time. And, you know, because they were poor immigrating from these areas that were incredibly impoverished to try to find a better life in America they kind of got the dregs of, you know, so they were kind of put into the dregs of society, unfortunately, in these in these really impoverished, highly populated areas. This continued until, I mean, through all the way through the 20s and even the 30s during the Depression until World War, after World War II, because there was a massive economic boom in the U.S. that created the modern concept of a suburb. So all of the soldiers coming back and all of the more fluent white people moved to these suburbs into what would be historically called white flight, and then these ethnic enclaves, these ghettos, were kind of repopulated uh, by blacks, because all the way since, from the 1860s, basically, once slaves were freed, uh, through the 1930s, there was a massive surge of the black population from the south to the north, and they kind of filled in these ethnic enclaves, once populated by Irish and Polish people. Mm -hmm. And came to create these very culturally affluent, although impoverished areas like Harlem and New York and the Lower East Side and also in Chicago, the South Side, which, you know, as everyone knows, Harlem basically was the birthplace of jazz. Uh -huh. um, so, unfortunately, although there's a kind of a stain on our society because they're a very visible aspect of really kind of the very large majority of poor people, even today uh, in America, they also have been very influential in our culture. Mm -hmm. As we will see when we talk about some of these artists that discuss 
basically the areas that they grew up in. I mean, for a lot of them, they right. grew up in these ghettos. So with that, we can start getting into some of these artists. Uh, the first one, yeah, the first one that came up for me was one of my favorite, probably soul songs in the entirety of soul and R&B uh, is the song "Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City" by Bobby Blue Bland. Now, while he's kind of scored a minor hit with the song because it got in like the top ten of the R&B charts, it's really more prevalent as a cover because it's been covered by so many people and sampled by so many artists that it's probably one of the most covered songs in soul regarding the subject matter of the song while it's ostensibly a love song of sorts uh some people me included really see it as more of a lament on urban poverty and hopelessness kind of describing how you know poor black people and people of uh, different minorities are kind of kept down by the middle the white middle class i guess for lack of a better term mm-hmm. yeah well let's... in the heart of the city i mean yeah like inner city i mean that's where they live that's yeah. where the ghettos are so he's saying that there ain't no love in the ghettos because of the social differences and everything yeah it's it's really interesting from a geographic standpoint that a lot of times ghettos are in urban centers because if you think about it you know when cities expand they expand outward so the parts that's that's in the middle is the oldest part of the city which is also usually this, the part that becomes the poorest right so i mean i guess that kind of makes sense but this is song is a good representation of that right so with that um let's listen to a little clip of ain't no love in the heart of the city by bobby easily one of my favorite songs because it just has so much emotion to it yeah it's a really uh, good song Exactly. And Bobby Blue Band is, he's, I wouldn't really consider him a one-hit wonder, but he unfortunately was not one of the more successful of these R&B artists. But he's still really good, and I love his sound. I know he did some other stuff that I think became mildly popular, but I I really couldn't name any of it, because this is the only thing I know about him. The only other one that I know that he did is, that was semi-popular, is um, Stormy Monday Blues and... You've got the hurt. You've got to hurt before you heal, which I think probably is his most famous or second most famous. Huh. Cool. So, yeah. So, what do we got next, Mr. Peter? So next, there's a song by one of my favorite uh, soul groups, The Spinners. Uh, they have a song called "Ghetto Child," and this song comes from their third album called "Spinners," uh, which was released in 1973. And I didn't know this, but it was actually um, their first album that they released um, on Atlantic Records after leaving Motown. Weren't they, um, weren't they one of the artists that when Motown moved to L.A., they kind of protested, so they left? Oh, uh, you know, I never I, thought about it. They might I know, there were, f- they I know there were a few of them. Motown yeah. moved in 73, and that's when this that's album came out. So, yeah. yeah, that might actually be it. Because I know they, st- they, I think they were only in Motown for like a couple of years. before. Because mm-hmm. I know they were at Atlantic for most of their career. Because I know some of the bigger artists that were in Motown moved with them to L.A. because Motown was what helped create their success. But some of the newer artists that Motown signed stayed behind because they're like, well, we don't want to move over there. Mm-hmm. It's funny, too, because the Spinners are like one of the most prevalent Philadelphia soul groups. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because they started out in Motown, which was in Detroit. So I think a lot of that is actually, I, I'm going to mention that, too. Because this song, and I guess the album as well, um, was arranged and produced by Tom Bell, who was a really famous um Philly soul producer, and he actually co-wrote it with Linda Creed, and I guess apparently, I didn't know this, but 
Um, the two of them actually co-wrote a lot of the most famous Philadelphia soul songs uh, for groups like the Spinners and also the Stylistics. I think a lot of their sound obviously comes from the songwriters mm-hmm. like Tom Bell, who was probably the most famous in terms of like how many hits that he wrote. I think he was probably like the biggest guy. Didn't we say at some point we wanted to do an episode on him? Yeah, I think we should because there's a lot of there's a lot of songs, and this is one of them. I can take it that he wrote. So this song, "Ghetto Child," uh, the lyrics are from a young man's point of view, kind of looking back at his childhood in the ghetto. And a lot of the song is wondering, oh, why are children so cruel to you, you know, in the ghetto and everything? And I think a lot of that is just hardship for everybody, even the mm-hmm. children. It affects everybody, obviously. And um, a lot of it, he is also realizing that his parents did the best they could in their situation. And uh, and there's also a line kind of connected to that. It says, fancy fairy tales are bought and sold by those who can well afford to take time to make believe that childhood dreams can still come true. So it's basically saying that, like, living a good life is basically a fairy tale that is, is kind of pushed out in our, into our society by the people who are rich enough yeah. to, to have made that. So that, it, it's kind of an interesting take. That's that whole, you know, concept that's really been challenged lately of the quote-unquote American dream. Mm-hmm. The, the, I guess I don't want to call it a lie, but the fallacy that, I guess that's a lie too, whatever. The fallacy <laughs> that was kind of fed to us by the upper class, you know, if you just work hard, you too can have a house in the suburbs and a dog and a, you know, <laughs> the atomic family, two and a half kids or whatever. And because that was so idealistic and kind of perpetuated in the 50s during the massive economic boom, mm-hmm. you know, when hard times fell, they still tried to feed that line to people, even though people were suffering. Yeah. So it's, it's funny to hear that from, from this point of view. Mm-hmm. I was like, you say you say that, but it doesn't really mean anything. Basically. Yeah. Like he said, it's a fairy tale. So uh, it's kind of interesting. So why don't, why don't we go ahead and listen to a clip of Ghetto Child by the Spin. just a boy punished for a crime that was not mine. Life ain't so easy when you're a ghetto child. Oh baby, life ain't so easy. I love that song. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm as much of a Spinner's fan as you at heart, but that's definitely one of my favorite songs by them. Well, it's definitely one of their... One of their most famous songs. Yeah. So, it's good. That's probably why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate it when... Uh, this was the hipster in me coming out, but I really hate it when I find a song by an artist, and I really like it, and then it comes to find out it's like their most popular song. I'm just like, great, I'm like everybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I like when I happen to stumble across their lesser-known songs that I like without knowing that they're lesser-known. No, I don't... Yeah. I'm not so hipster as much as to purposely seek out lesser-known songs just so I can convince myself I like them better. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a nice thing to like be like, oh, I'm not like everybody else. I like some other other stuff. <laughs> True. So yeah. Okay, um, moving down our list here, another song discussing the ghetto that we came up with is the song Living for the City by Stevie Wonder. Now, more than most, this is very much a tale of a... Really, I think it, a lot of it is basically from Stevie's own perspective of his struggles when moving from, you know, rural Mississippi to the city, uh, I think New York. And now the song was, it was a 1973 hit sung by him at Motown, but he was at the height of his fame. But to summarize it, it really begins uh, with Wonder describing his life as a boy born in Mississippi. His family was very poor, but his parents worked really hard and encouraged him. And despite the really dreadful conditions that they lived in, you know, everything from lack of food to money to, to racism and oppression. 
So they pushed him to really kind of make something of, his, of himself. But as the track progresses, there's like a tension and anger that builds in his voice because it discusses his own frustrations with really trying his hardest to make something of himself, but constantly is pushed back or pushed down by those around him. Well, I mean, not only is he growing up in the ghetto, which is hard enough, mm-hmm. but then he's blind as well. So, I mean, like, he pretty yeah. much defied all odds. Yeah, it's it's his, his real story. I swear, like, of anyone that deserves a biopic, it's Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. I don't know who would play him. But his whole his life story is just amazing, and I encourage you guys to go research a bit more into it because it's kind of it's similar to Ray Charles. It's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. That is surprising, honestly. Now that I'm thinking about it more, is they didn't make a biopic of the You Wonder. I mean, yeah. maybe they're gonna. Un- knock well, they made on one wood. of Ray Charles, right? Knock on wood, yeah. Knock on wood. Maybe they'll do it when he passes away, uh, because they did Ray Charles after he passed away. So, uh, uh, you think they're waiting until? How old is Stevie Wonder by now? Um, good question. I, I mean, he's like, still doing stuff, right? I think like late 60s. Oh, that's uh, let's see. 62. Not that old. Oh, okay. He was born in 1950. I mean, he he got signed to Motown when he was 13, so yeah. he was easily probably the youngest artist there besides Michael Jackson. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so I'm um, getting back to the song. So in researching the song, I found here that there's actually an interview with BBC from Malcolm Cecil, who's one of uh, Motown and one of Stevie Wonder's producers, um, discussing them, him and Stevie, um, creating the song. And originally I was just going to read you the quote, but I actually found um, a clip, uh, the the radio clip, which has him discussing the song and that it also plays a part of it afterwards. So I'm just going to play that for you guys so you can hear the words from uh, Malcolm Cecil himself, and then you can also hear the song to kind of get an idea of how much kind of raw passion and anger that Stevie put into it. So this is a clip from uh, BBC Radio 4 and an interview with Malcolm Cecil and subsequently a clip of Living for, in the City, Living for the City by Stevie Wonder. We worked him hours. I'd stop the tape in the middle of the tape, right? And it, to get him angry, to get that anger and that real feeling. Just enough for the city. We also tried to get this this hoarseness in his voice. We kept on taking the same take over and over and over and over again. No, no, come on, Steve, you can do better than that. And we would just really tear him off. And it took a lot of doing because he's not naturally that way. She's got to get up early. It's pretty interesting to hear that they basically just perp- tried to piss Stevie off on purpose to get him to get that raw emotion <laughs> coming out of him. They kind of they kind of pushed his buttons, I guess, as much as they could. So, and it's it's funny because to, I mean, to me, Stevie seems like an incredibly passive and loving guy. So it probably had to be pretty hard to make him angry. Mm. You know, they yeah. just kept poking him over and over. I don't know. Um. <laughs> uh, Who's poking you now, Stevie Wonder? Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. But then, I guess it makes for a good performance. Yeah, yeah. So what do we got next, Mr. Peter? I'm Eddie Murphy. Coming up next, Mr. Peter, is a song called Woman of the Ghetto by Marlena Shaw. Now, she was a somewhat famous uh, female soul singer in the 60s and 70s. Um, she released this song 
1969 under Cadet Records, which was based in Chicago. The lyrics of this song are from a woman's point of view and asks actually some relatively deep questions. In a way, compared to, compared to perhaps some of these others, some of the lyrics are, how do you raise your kids in the ghetto? Do you feed one child and starve another? Tell me, legislator, how does your heart feel late at night? Does it beat with shame or does it beat with pride? Now, you may have seen at least one ghetto, but I wonder, have you lived there at all? So a lot of, a lot of the song, actually, she does address just this unnamed legislator and kind of saying, like, you're sitting up in, up in your ivory tower, keeping us away from, you know, the rest of society, basically, mm-hmm. in this ghetto. And like, look how terrible this is. Like, how are we supposed to even survive here? Uh, it's, it's sort of an interesting point of view. And yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a good song, too. Yeah, I like songs that have this obviously has a very political overtone to it. Mm-hmm. More more than some of the others, um, but it is really a good point, especially that they were making in the late '60s after a civil rights bill passed in '68 mm-hmm. about how, you know, rich white legislators in Congress were basically the ones deciding very important issues for people in these American ghettos, like food stamps and you know, assistance and welfare. And especially for issues that they didn't really even witness firsthand or really understand. Exactly, it's like they're de- they're deciding, you know, basically the the we- they're deciding the welfare of these impoverished people without ever having experienced it or kind of lived in their shoes. Yeah, so. and I know that um, Marlena Shaw is actually relatively, she I think she's saying about more uh, controversial stuff. Yeah, because this is like definitely a political thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. I could dig it. Because I think some some of the other ones we've talked about um, address these issues, but perhaps not necessarily not as, not not as heavily as, as they would want to. Not going after uh, the people responsible, yeah. or just saying like, "Hey, this sucks," you know. Yeah, it's it's more like more of them are just like, "Hey, the situation sucks," but with this particular song, they're just asking like, "Why? Why is it this way? Why does it suck? Why Which, why are you letting it be this way? Exactly. When you have the power to change it." I think that was really a, a an important sort of cultural shift is you know they went from this concept of passive passivity passive uh, passiveness to where they just kind of you know were poor and accepted the situation that they were in because they couldn't change anything but then they just started asking questions saying you know hey why why is it like this why can't we change this yeah so why don't we go ahead and listen to a clip of woman of the ghetto by marlena shaw so that you can get a sense of this message that we've been talking about I like Marlena Shaw. Again, some uh, a little bit more unknown than some of them. I, honestly, I've never even heard of Cadet Records. Um, hey. I've only heard of... Uh, what, what's the other one? What's the big one in Chicago? Chess Records. Yeah, Chess. Thank you. I've only ever heard of Chess Records, so it's kind of nice to see some of the smaller labels in my hometown being represented. Yeah. Okay, um, moving on. So the next one that I, I thought of um, was just called The Ghetto by Donny Hathaway. We just we discussed Donny Hathaway unfortunately last episode because of the controversy result, uh, surrounding his death. Mm. But um, this is easily his most famous song, and it's really got a social consciousness that's kind of backed up by instrumental jazz and Latin jazz. It was released as a first single off of his debut album Everything Is Everything in 1970 through Atlantic, which I think uh, we just said that the Spinners went to. Right. 
the, the song, I mean, it just describes, just like all these others, it describes the uh, horrors of living in poverty, but the background of Hathaway himself is that he was born in Chicago, but he was raised by his grandmother, Martha Pitts, um, in the Carr Square Housing Project of St. Louis. Hmm. Now, housing projects are basically kind of a more modern form of, of, get- of the ghettos. They're not old ghettos, like a lot, like some of these in New York, like Harlem. But they were basically housing projects that were started in the 60s and 70s that were kind of a form of housing tenure because they built these incredibly cheap, incredibly shoddy like apartment complexes um, to basically house their poorer citizens. And unfortunately, a lot of those poorer citizens happen to be African-American. Mm-hmm. So currently, that's obviously where a lot of, unfortunately, you know, gangs and stuff come from is these poor housing projects because they're a social safety net to offer cheap housing to poor people but they're really really crappy houses yeah as we see on the show the wire that we watch that's true anyways let's listen to a little clip of the ghetto by donny hathaway and you can kind of hear where a lot of his personal influence comes into the song There's actually a part of this song, somewhere, I think somewhere near the middle, maybe, because this is like a six-minute song, the, mm. the full version, and it's where just sound clips of like a baby crying yeah. in the middle. <laughs> I guess it's just maybe part of the the atmosphere to go. Yeah. Crying babies and stuff. I'm not sure why I brought that up. It just made me think of Just babies crying is sad. That's true. He actually has another song called Little Ghetto Boy. Oh, yeah. I guess we're not, I guess we don't need to talk. I mean, the ghetto is, I think is most, like you said, is the most famous song, mm-hmm. uh, but he does have another one that I think addresses kind of the same thing. So definitely it was a big part of his life. Yeah. You know what song we didn't play that we should, that we totally should. Mm. Santa Claus goes through, straight through the ghetto. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can have a Christmas themed ghetto episode later on. Yeah, next Christmas. I got. I can't believe Christmas is like nine months away. That's sad. Sad because it's so far away, or because it's only nine months now because it just happened. A little bit of both. It feels like it just happened, but it's actually was three months ago. But then also nine months feels like a long time. Hmm. Well, we have one more song that we want to talk about today because, like, like obviously we're not going to cover all of them in this episode because I think there's a lot. I think these are probably some of the more prominent ones. Soul songs about the ghetto, but we also have some fairly um, obscure ones as well. Um, this last one being a good example of that. The song is called Let's Clean Up the Ghetto by the Philadelphia All-Stars. Now, I actually could barely find anything about this group, but I was able to track down that they were a group made up of Lou Rawls, Billy Paul, Teddy Pendergrass, D.D. D. Sharp, the OJs, and Archie Bell. That's so, damn awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of big names in Philadelphia soul, all kind of all together. I believe they also performed this song with MFSB, the famous uh, Philly house band. And that group also performed behind a lot of these artists I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a lot of mix and match going on within uh, Philadelphia International Records. And this is also the only song that the Philadelphia All-Stars released. So I, I'm not exactly sure what the motivation was behind this group, whether it was only meant to be like a one-time thing. My best guess is that, okay, remember the song We Are the World? Yeah, I'm thinking it's maybe possibly a more soul-oriented version of that, where it's a it's a mashup of famous stars from the genre, 
mm. then perform the song, and then the proceeds possibly went to, you know, foundations to help do the thing that they were saying we should do. Yeah, that's my best guess. I well, if, if if it was something of that nature, there's pretty much no. Yeah, there's. I'm, I'm looking here. There's just nothing on. No it. record of it. So I don't. I'm not really sure what the like I said the motivation was, but. Yeah. It's a good song. I, I actually really like it. It's, although it's very obscure, I kind of enjoy it. So the song talks about how, as the people living in the ghetto, it's actually ultimately our responsibility to clean up the streets. Since, and I quote, you can no longer depend on the man downtown to take care of business like he's supposed to when he's supposed to. So the song is it's kind of funny because it's, like, it's kind of it's upbeat and it's almost fun in a way. It's kind of like, hey, let's all like get our mops and pails together and go clean up the streets. It's kind of a funny take on the whole ghetto thing because most of these songs that we've been talking about are very like down, down. Mm-hmm. But this one is almost upbeat because like it still addresses like that there's serious problems here. But I think the message here is more like, okay, we are the ones who need to go do this because you can't, like we were saying before, you can't really depend on politicians and people in power to to make those changes. So we kind of have to do it ourselves. It's an interesting take on the whole idea. It's kind of fun. I can dig it. Yeah. Oh, 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 hold on. What's up? I found found some facts. It says here that the song, obviously recorded in the late 70s, was an effort to draw attention to rejuvenating the ghettos of Philadelphia. So Kenneth Gamble put together an album of Philly's biggest acts on the song, Let's Clean Up the Ghetto. So it was actually somewhat similar to what you were guessing. Yeah, I'm thinking that, like I said, that's my best guess is that possibly they used it as a PR method to encourage, you know, community participation, mm-hmm. really kind of making the ghetto a better place. Well, that kind of makes sense then with the whole mood of the song, like I was just saying. Yeah. If it's kind of like a promo thing. Yeah, if it's downbeat, people are going to be like, Mom, I'm too sad to do anything. Yeah. That's interesting, though. I didn't know that. So. Yeah, yeah. So that you can hear this slightly more um, upbeat mood of this song, let's go ahead and listen to a clip of Let's Clean Up the Ghetto by the Philadelphia All-Stars. like we were saying before this isn't all the songs about the ghetto because there's obviously a lot but um i think this kind of is a good way to kind of stretch out and get a lot of the primary ones and a lot of different angles and points of view and stuff like that yeah i mean i guess an interesting theme with with what we were discussing with the ghetto with a lot of these songs they kind of lament the ghetto and lament the i guess kind of impoverished conditions that these artists are really a lot of African Americans in general have to live in, but I kind of find it interesting, kind of the duality between this look at the ghetto and the more modern look in, like, say, rap and R&B, where it's more idolized as like a, a point of pride than it's seen as like a detriment or a blemish on society. Like people, you know, say, "OG, original gangster, I'm from the ghetto," so they they see it more as like a, a branding of like their toughness than something that needs to be fixed like mm. it's i don't know i don't i, I don't want to put words in their mouth and say that they don't think the ghetto is a bad thing it just i've noticed kind of a shift in music from discussing the laments of of ghetto life and you know in poverty in general to seeing it as more of a kind badge, of like a thing of strength almost a badge of honor exactly yeah which i mean if they if they want to look at it, it that way good for them but i have a feeling that you know 
by idolizing it, it it makes it harder for people to see it as a problem that needs to be fixed. Mm. If people are acting like, oh, you know, growing up in the ghetto made me tough, but that doesn't mean that people shouldn't try to fix it and make it an easier place to live. Yeah. So, yeah. That's an interesting point. I didn't think about that. Indeed. So, yeah, we touched a little bit about ghettos and their significance, especially in R&B and soul music, but unfortunately also their the sad perspective that it's coming from and I guess the continuing crisis of poverty in this country, especially. Mm-hmm. Yay, now I'm sad. <laughs> Don't be sad. Okay. I am personally slowly escaping the ghetto because I found employment, so. Yay. Yay, my personal struggle. You're not really in the ghetto, though. <laughs> By the ghetto, I'm in Tustin, which like, isn't the ghetto at all. <laughs> well, it's, it, maybe it's the ghetto of your mind. Yeah, oh, that's so sad. It's like the garden of your mind, but filled with housing projects. Yeah. I'm sad now. Okay, um, so yeah, that was our ghetto-themed funk episode. This is your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Peter. And this has been your host, Kyle. I, I was previously and continue to be your host, Kyle. What, what did you say before? I just said this is your host, Kyle. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Shut up, I'm making, stupid, <laughs> I'm making stupid comments. It's cool. It can't be an episode without me making stupid comments. That's true. Thanks for listening to Funk Radio. Like us on Facebook. Uh, do that thing on iTunes. Oh yeah, subscribe. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Apparently I say stupid things too. That's okay. Um, That's why people listen so, to us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay. Bye. Thanks love for you. listening. Bye. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.